Everybody, welcome back to Just the Headers. I took a week off to just kick my legs up and relax and just think about 2018 and all of its entirety. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I was in Prague and Jesse is uh, trekking through mountains right now as you listen to this. So wish him the best when he comes back. But today we have a special guest host and it's not cello now cello sometimes supposedly makes the podcast too good yeah just just too good (laughs) whenever he drops in it makes the podcast just worthy of listening to according to some of our uh, itunes reviewers so he said you know what they can't handle that much awesome so i'm going to take a break from just the headers for a while and uh we found a guest house so would you like to introduce yourself sir yes sir mr d mr d this is wayne wayne from the slack i think this is my third time on your podcast we had a yeah 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 you were so, on i think you were on on ramping with d first on ramping and then you came on the round table of a flagship show yes sir and now you're here guest hosting yeah just get, the headers trying to get a cut of the network wayne that's legit <laughs> uh, uh, the, uh just a just a few satoshis my way that would be great bitcoin podcast is definitely the bitcoin podcast network is definitely one of the best ways to get onboarded. you have a show for everything you have pretty much anything you want to learn, anything you want to participate in, you have a way to do it. So I just think it's, I think it's great the way that you, um, you really do increase adoption. So glad to participate. And I think just the headers is, is, is a lot of fun. You ready to have some fun? I am. All right. So if you guys have never tuned into an episode of just the headers, uh, we read just the headers. If you don't know what a header is, you should Google headers, Bitcoin, blockchain, those three words in that order, or maybe just headers, blockchain, and that'll get you there too. And that'll help you understand the pun, because if you don't understand the pun, then you have some catching up to do. But this is just the headers, where we talk about just the headlines that happened in the crypto sphere from last weekend to now when you're hearing this. And we do not do zero confirmation news. So we're going to drop right into the first article, October 27, 2018, written by our boy, Kai Sedgwick. He writes a lot of articles. He gets on here a lot. He must, I must like his headline writing style. So it has 4,731 eyeballs. It's news.bitcoin.com. Roger, it's a Roger Ver special, unfortunately. 
Wrapped BTC is coming to Ethereum. I, I glanced about this when I was over in Prague, but let's do a little bit of reading. BTC is poised to make its Ethereum debut. Ooh, strong words. An initiative involving several decentralized exchanges uh, as well as crypto custodians. Bitco will introduce, oh, this is a Bitco thing. Bitgo will introduce BTC-backed WBTC, the W standing for wrapped. When WBTC launches in January 2019, it will enable Ethereum-based Bitcoin, that's in quotations, to be traded on decentralized exchanges, boosting liquidity and opening the Ethereum ecosystem to a wider audience. So here's like a, a, a headline, an article, um, let's see, topic. BTC represented as an ERC-20 token. So that's what wrapped BTC is. It's a, it's a Bitcoin as an ERC-20 contract, which I don't know if it's going to work, but we're going to find out next year. So blockchains such as Bitcoin and Ethereum have always operated independently. While interoperability protocols have been under development for some time, achieving full compatibility between networks whose code is alien to one another is a complex task. The development of wrapped Bitcoin does not mean that the full synergy between Bitcoin and Ethereum has been attained. What it does mean is that BTC users can, can, trans can transact on ERC-20 platforms using a native token that represents the Bitcoin they're accustomed to. This is like crypto inception. It's Bitcoin inside of Ether. It's so many abstractions. It is. And so what, I think what... What uh, what this really allows? Well, I mean, I think some people see this as a as a threat to Ethereum because then all of a sudden this just makes Ethereum, a, you know, a, a gas function, so that you don't need Ethereum anymore. You can now use Bitcoin, right? You can just use Bitcoin for for more liquid payments, and you know, so this WBTC. Uh, and later it says, you know, led by Kyber and Republic Protocol and BitGo, right? So, so all of a sudden it's, it kind of works like a side chain, or you know, maybe this is the definition of a side chain. You can use your Bitcoin through Ethereum, and I think it's going to blow a lot of minds because already Bitcoin's too complicated for some. Ethereum, you know, once you get Bitcoin. You know, I mean, put yourself back when you first heard of Bitcoin, if you can. I mean, you've learned a million, million things. But when you first learned a Bitcoin, it really expanded your mind, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Then when you started hearing about Ethereum, it was like, wait a second. I, I don't really understand why, what, what is going on with this Ethereum stuff. Ethereum was so different than Bitcoin. If you really can put yourself back to how different Ethereum was from Bitcoin and try to put yourself in this in the shoes of the new user now who still is still trying to adopt all this crypto stuff now, especially with the people standing at the door between blockchain and crypto, because we didn't have that when we were going through adoption. Right. We didn't have this choice between blockchain and crypto. We just had crypto. Crypto was cool. Crypto was, uh, you know, 
it was banking and crypto. That was the choice. And so there really wasn't a choice, right? Mm -hmm. Well, now there's this choice and there's actually an argument between blockchain and crypto. And so such a bad argument though, but go on. (laughs) Well, but there's enough of an argument that new people coming in are, are legitimately given a use case for blockchain that as far as they can tell, it's like, well, you know, why do I need this crypto stuff? There's volatility, there's risk. And I'm seeing this, 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 I'm seeing this blockchain vision and, you know, they don't know any better. And then the crypto enthusiasts are saying, why are you being, you know, bamboozled by that blockchain crap? And look at what you have. And so, you know, the people who are listening to them are given a legitimate vision. Here, they're, they're given still more complexity. They're saying, okay, so now yeah, you have this Bitcoin stuff, complex. right? Because yeah. you have this Bitcoin stuff wrapped inside this Ethereum stuff. But to us or to the initiated, this really is solving a huge problem that we've had for a while. Now, we still have scalability problems. We still have liquidity problems. We're still going to have fees. But but this is really solving um, a huge problem that we've had for a while, which means well, maybe we can do more ICO uh, type things with Bitcoin without having to have the ICO platform natively do uh, Bitcoin. We can do large transfers with Bitcoin, which reduces the fees. And by using Kyber and Republic protocol, we can actually optimize a lot of the things. So I'm- It feels IOUE though. What's that? It feels a little IOUE. Like when you look at this- Sure. To receive WBTC, a user requests tokens from a merchant. The merchant then performs the required KYC AML procedures and verifies the user's identity. Once this is completed, the user and the merchant execute their swap with Bitcoin going from the user to the merchant and wrapped Bitcoin goes from the merchant to the user. So the user is like, hey, here's some Bitcoin. And then the merchant's like, okay, here's an IOU that says IOU Bitcoin. Yeah, I, that <laughs> I don't does, know. That's, that's that does, what it seems. Um, I, and I, I haven't looked into it other than I haven't looked into it that far. I just saw the the initial pieces. Yeah, you know, I'm not into it other than oh, hey, cool. There's some there's some Kyber. Um, you know, Kyber's always seemed interesting. You know, zero X is a you know is already on Coinbase, so zero X kind of beat. Kyber to the decentralized exchange um, mm. punch. And so now here's Kyber's hook coming into the fight, right? What other, what, what I mean, IDEX kind of came out swinging a, a few months ago with some marketing. And then 0x is like, oh, yeah, well, look at this, Coinbase. Mm-hmm. And now Kyber's coming out. So, oh, yeah, look at this. I got a side chain coming. So, what's going to come next month? You know, what, what decentralized exchanges? You know, decentralized exchanges are, I mean, are going to be a huge 2019 thing. I mean, BNB from Binance in their white paper, I mean, we've seen BNB is pretty much the only coin that's been uh, consistently rising throughout 20, 2018 in the 10-month bear market we've had. So. Yeah. This says more convenience, less privacy. Well... That's not going to make a lot of people happy, but we'll see. I mean, now you can have Bitcoin 
riding on the rails of Ethereum, supposedly. So, speaking of supposedly, <laughs> going right into the next article um, by Marie Hewlett, or Hallett, Hillett, Hillett, Marie Hillett from Cointelegraph. Uh, she writes, Ukraine, not Turkey, but Ukraine, uh, economic development and trade ministry launches state policy to legalize crypto. Ooh, that's juicy. They put the stamp on the picture. It's green and it says legal. Ooh, juicy. This is good. Let's see what this says. The Economic Development and Trade Ministry of Ukraine has initiated a state policy. Why is that in quotations? Did they initiate a state policy or not? That's what I... I love crypto journalists because they use quotations when I don't think they're supposed to use quotations. It's like they're writing how they talk to each other in a very millennial way. But anyways, the Ministry of Ukraine has initiated a state policy... (laughs) For the classification and legalization of crypto-related activities, Ukrainian State Information and News Agency Ukrinform has reported on October 26th. So, let's see if we can come through and find... Oh, there's no quotes. This is a short article. The ministry has reportedly issued an official press release stating that its purpose to create create unstable conditions for conducting activities in the field of virtual assets and virtual currencies... And to usher in, sorry, create understandable, not unstable. I think I said unstable, understandable conditions. And to usher in adoption of the concept of a state policy for crypto. So I guess they're trying to be nice to crypto, which is cool. You know, it's new for a change. Yeah, it says on track to its legalization. The the first signs the country was on track to its legalization. So it's, I think maybe the the state policy in quotes is because uh, adoption of the concept of a state policy that maybe it's because they're saying concept of a state policy. And when you click the link towards the ukrinform.net, um, that's the Ukrainian multimedia platform for broadcasting. That's the place. Mm. I have never been to that site. I don't know if that's like Pravda, you know, type place where it's the, uh, or, or if it's a legitimate site, I have no idea. Um, they have a lot of quotes. Um, you know, it says the concept proposes to define at a legislative level, the key terms related to virtual assets, such as quote, virtual currency, quote, cryptocurrency, quote, virtual assets, quote, ICO, ITO, quote, mining, quote, smart contract, quote, token. So I think, what they're doing is they're attempting to make language for legislators because, Mm. you know, for so many decades, we've had language to define banking and financial terms that doesn't really need definition. But with all this new, these new concepts like virtual assets, they just don't, they just don't have the language to help describe Mm. it. Is that why there's so many quotes? When they I, I think so, because if they say something like virtual currency, how do they know what the virtual means? Yeah. Right? Because if I if I pay you in back rubs, that's a virtual currency, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Right? 
Um, and so they're not allowed to accept bribes, but if I paid you in um, uh, timeshare time in my Aruba timeshare, well, that's a virtual currency. They need to define these things because, mm. because there are certain things they're not allowed to do. So if they use a term like virtual currency, then they're specifically say, stating we mean cryptocurrency so that they can now start using that term in legislative documents and mm. things like that. That's, that's what I'm guessing that they're doing because in a legal framework, you have to have those kinds of. Uh, that kind of makes sense for all the quotes that we see in these articles. We see so many things that I feel like are quoted that shouldn't be quoted. And I just yeah. think like, is it that, or is it not that I'm confused? Um, yeah. I mean, well, in Ukraine, they're trying to trying to do good by crypto or virtual currency. So uh, we'll keep you posted there. So in the last article from coming from last weekend, we have a CoinDesk special. This is a what is it? Silbert. Yeah. What's his name? Silbert is a Felix like A. Barry, yeah, not B, a B, not an A. Barry Silbert special, coming from Coindesk. Taiwanese lawmaker proposes new business category for crypto startups. So he's trying to do it the difficult way, kind of like Ukraine is. This is an article by Nicholas Day. It has 327 tweets and three Reddit numbers. Taiwan's crypto congressman. See what I mean there? He's it's, There's quotations there. Should we use, <laughs> should well, we use crypto congressman? Is he a crypto yeah. congressman or is he? I guess he's a crypto congressman. Uh, he continued his push for more modernized regulation around the tech by proposing new rules for token sales. On Friday, Taiwanese legislator Jason. Ooh. Hsu. Hsu? Yeah. Are you sure about that? Yeah. HSU. Right. Jason Hsu published a list of published. Policy recommendations aimed at aiding cryptocurrency stars, including one that would see the Ministry of Economic Affairs create a new business category, as well as a new legal framework for security tokens. So shout out to Taiwan doing the Lord's work. OK, they're doing the difficult work of trying to redefine or just define, period, uh, this cryptocurrency space, these tokens, these businesses, what's going on? They're trying to define it, and a lot of governments are not. So I give them credit. Let's see if we can find a quote. I don't see any quotes, except for where it says crypto congressman, because we don't know if he's a crypto congressman or not. So the, the I did a little bit of searching, and the reason why he's crypto congressman is because he's trying to make a blockchain island, and he's also pitching uh, anti-money laundering rules updates to cover crypto so that was earlier this month and so there's a number of articles about him specifically um, like let's make taiwan a blockchain island and he wants to uh, so he's like uh, making you know the, he's the new face of taiwan's mm -hmm. crypto so so that's why he's he's got the moniker crypto congressman so it sounds like he's he's got a bright future in crypto and it sounds like he's one of those guys who gets it in terms of an elected person 
but okay, I don't know how Taiwan's government is, so I, I just betrayed any kind of, I, I have no idea how they elect or appoint um, Congress, so I apologize for any people in Taiwan. Um, so he's a legislator who seems to be very pro-blockchain, at least. That's what it looks like. It's going if he on. makes a whole island and it's a blockchain island, would you go visit? Uh, well, Taiwan is an island, right? So uh, I think what he's looking to do is make Taiwan very blockchain friendly. So um, would you go visit? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I went to Amsterdam and it was it, it's like Bitcoin city. Really? Yeah, oh, Amsterdam before before most cities, it was more Bitcoin friendly before a lot of other cities. Now this was you know years before um, most most cities were were kind of friendly. Now it's kind of hard to judge because so many yeah establishments and you know payments you can kind of do payments through a lot of different places. That's true. So it's a little hard to judge, but. I thought Prague would be crypto friendly, but it was not. It was just a city. <laughs> it was just a city. Yeah. Here's one um, thing. I didn't know that people see I'm so US. I'm so I bleed such red, blue, and white. They don't like when you split checks in Prague. And I don't know how many places are like that. But that's I think something that's, that we, I think huh? that's more European than Is Prague. It? Okay. Yeah. They hated it. They were like, oh, in fact, one place had on their menu, don't ask us to split the check. We're too busy to do that. And I was like, is it that big of a deal, really? I think, then, I'll, I think I'll pull a, 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 a Jesse and Demetric special and Google something. And, then, and say, <laughs> um, etiquette of splitting checks in Europe. What's article number one say? Well, it's Paris came up, so of course it's not, you know. Um, and it says, Nobody cares uh, no, you Paris. shouldn't do that. <laughs> what the? Um, why? What? Why do they care so bad, so much? Uh, well, um, I'm not sure. Um, let's see. It says it is acceptable to split the bill by putting down two credit cards and explaining how much you'd like to put on each one. That's even more american than america well but but then but then you're doing the work right i mean if you if you put down two credit cards and say how much you want to put on each one you're doing the work if you ask them to split the bill you're putting the work on them right so it's a it's a difference of who's doing the work uh so i can see that oh um, maybe that's it okay um <laughs> and then someone else says i waited tables all through college it's tech to ask for separate checks anywhere <laughs> but it depends on you know where you spent your time, but why is it tacky? There's a bunch um, of people; they each want to pay separate. I don't know. I, I'm just on one side, so I mean, it's it's not a good side. Let's take a two man vote here, Wayne. Yeah. Do you think yes. it's tacky to split the check? I I say it depends on <gasps> how much you're spending at the restaurant. So if it's if it's a like a a medium, I mean, if, if it's a place where you're spending less than $20 a plate, I think that's tacky. If it's a place where you're spending more, 
I'd say, you know, $40 a plate or more, then I, I would expect the waiter to do whatever you wanted within reason. So, but I would always respect the culture of the place I'm in more than I would respect my own preferences. Mm. So I, I would ask around the locals and I would probably ask privately because I know that a waiter would respect my question if I asked privately. <laughs> You're better right? than I am. You're way better than I am. I was. Well, I mean, just think American. about it. Just, just think about it. If, if, if I quietly asked, like, you know, if I took them aside and I kind of whispered, I said, "I'm not from here. What's the, you know, what's the policy on on splitting the check? I, I don't know what it is. The, I, pretty much, I'm not going to have a bad result. Either he's going to kindly tell me we don't do that here, and then I'm good, or he's going to say we don't do that here, but I'll do it for you, and I'm good." Or he's going to tell me, that's no problem, and I'm good. So there's like no bad result there, right? I just, I feel like if I'm a business owner, I want to allow people to pay me money however they want to pay me. <laughs> just give me your money. Well, sure. And I don't think that's how they do things. And I also think that they don't like the 3% charge from like Visa or whatever. Because they hated like, anytime I try to pay him with a card, oh. which was the whole time. Sure. They, they hated yeah, it. I, like, I get that. Well, th that's why I use uh, I use an international card whenever I travel international, and so they can charge me in euro or yeah. uh, GBP. So they can always charge me in their currency, and I don't get a charge. So, um, so like Chase offers that. Um, B of A uh, uh, Diners charge uh, offers that, and then um, there's a third one. Uh, I for, yeah, I I don't know if Citibank does. They but, do, um, but I've I've always enjoyed that because whenever I travel, I I don't get charged, and the merchant loves it because they don't have to charge me in yeah. in that. So, well, so who knows? But <clears throat> so that's oh, what happened. We got on a little bit of tangent there. Sorry, okay. that's typical but of this show. You know that everybody in the Slack loves that. <laughs> we went down a rabbit hole, but and if you're not in the Slack, yeah. join it. Yeah, join Tell them Slack. how to join the Slack. How do you join that? Oh, yeah. You go to uh, thebitcoinpodcast.com and click the button that says Slack and then join it. And it's pretty much that easy. If you can't get there, you don't deserve to be there. So Go to Paris. <laughs> yeah. Go to Paris and try swiping your card. All right. Monday, it's on you, man. These are your articles to read. I picked them, but you're reading them. Okay, Monday. So this is the... Monday. I'm going to make sure I've got these up here. This is the Japanese regulator? Yeah. Is that right? Japan okay. regulation. All right, let's see. Surprise, surprise. This is my first time reading <laughs> one of your articles so I can figure out how to do it. So this is um, Bitcoin.com, Japanese regulator. Stable coins are not cryptocurrencies under current law, written by Kevin Helms. So 4,180 eyeballs and i don't see any other metrics on that one but that sounds like a lot but then again it has been almost a whole week so it's one thing to keep in mind whenever we do their metrics the longer ago it is the more people have read it so stable coins are not cryptocurrencies under the current law so i found this well so i guess i'll read the article first and then we'll do the um the <clears throat> analysis so Japan's top financial regulator, the Financial Services Agency, aka the FSA, has exclusively explained to news.bitcoin.com 
how stable coins are treated under current Japanese law. In addition to emphasizing that they are not virtual currencies, the regular regulator clarified the registration requirements for their issuers and dealers. Mm. Subheadline not virtual currencies. Japan's amended fund settlement law and the amended payment services act, which went into effect in April last year, regulate the country's crypto industry. The former defines quote virtual currencies unquote, which include cryptocurrencies as a means of payment and exempts them from consumption tax. I think that's what's going to help adoption. That's editor's note. The latter requires cryptocurrency exchange operators to register with the Financial Services Agency, FSA. With the global rise in popularity of fiat-pegged cryptocurrencies, common, commonly referred to as stablecoins, news.bitcoin.com asked the FSA how these coins are treated under Japanese law. The regulator clarified, quote, in principle, stablecoins pegged by legal currencies do not fall into the category of, quote, virtual currencies, unquote, based on the Payment Services Act. Mm. So that's pretty big. There's more to the article. So should I keep going or you want to stop there? And No, keep going. Let's get juicy okay. with it. On October 9th, Japanese internet giant GMO announced that it will, quote, start full-scale preparations to issue stable coins of virtual currency, unquote. GMO Internet's subsidiary, GMO Coin, operates one of Japan's 16 registered crypto exchanges. There's 16 registered crypto exchanges. The country also has three other crypto exchanges that the FSA has allowed to operate while their applications are being reviewed. Subheadline, registration requirements. The FSA further explained to news.bitcoin.com that, quote, due to its stablecoins characteristics, it is not necessarily appropriate to suggest what those companies need to obtain or register before issuing stablecoins, coins, unquote. Nonetheless, the regular regulator described, quote, generally speaking, companies need to register as the issuer of prepaid payment instruments or the funds transfer service providers based on Payment Services Act when virtual currency broker dealers trade stable coins. So, and there's still a lot more to the article. I think that's pretty big. So they're pretty much exempting stable coins from this, one of their taxes, the consumption tax. Um, and the fact that they're this GMO group, GMO internet, mm -hmm. that completely controls 16 of their exchanges, registered crypto exchanges, GM, GMO coin, are you familiar with them? Uh, we've read about them several times in past they, headlines. It's um, one of Japan's like largest, um, I think, electronics companies, company. I don't know. We've read about them several times in the past. It's a big old, it's a big old giant Google-esque company coming out of Japan. Yeah. So I, I think that if they're saying that these stable coins, I, I don't want to read into it of things that they didn't actually say, but if they're saying, it sounds like they're saying that these, these stable coins are normal if I could paraphrase that, 
they're not virtual currencies. The stable coins are pretty much normal. They're exempt from consumption tax. They can, oh. they can be used as payment. Maybe, I mean, they didn't say this, but maybe this paves the way for it to be used to pay taxes. Maybe it can be uh, recognized as, um, you know, legal because tender. legal tender. I mean, they didn't say that, so I don't want to be. Yeah, that's a big word. Things, right? Let's, throw, let's um, slap some quotes on legal tender. Right. That's, um, that, that's a biggie. But they're, they're specifically, um, th- I mean, this is at least laying some pretty big ground, mm-hmm. it seems that. Legal tender. Yeah. It's at least saying that it's doesn't fall into the category of virtual currencies. So don't know. Do you think you could make an app called legal tender instead of just (laughs) tinder? And it'll be twice. It'll be like twice as powerful as regular tinder. It's it's, uh, it's 18 and up only. Yeah. 18 and up only legal tender. I honestly think regular tinder is 18 and up only. It would be really weird if tinder appealed to the under 18 crowd you spell that t-i-n-d-r or t-e t-i so like legal tinder legal legal tinder that would be the name of my app or swipe left and right i don't know what it would be but i feel like legal tinder should be the name of an app um oh so here's the app it's just legal tenders listed an aggregate of all the legal tenders and that's it so people download it for nothing. There we go. So there is one more piece that is at the end of the article that I, I didn't read. And it says, as for fund transfer service providers, the Bank of Japan detailed, quote, under the Payment Services Act, those registered as fund transfer service providers may perform fund transfer transactions of up to 1 million yen, which is nine about $9,000, without a banking license. Oh, wow. In other words, fund transfer transactions of over 1 million yen are still handled exclusively by banks. Ooh, that's still a lot of money. Well, for a normie like me, if I could transfer <laughs> 9,000 a pop, that's a yeah. lot of that's a lot of moolah. It's a lot of yen. You can't transfer like what in the states? What is it uh <clears throat> It's $10,000 of what you have oh, to wait. declare when you have when you have actually have fiat on your person, mm-hmm. like when you're at the airport um, and the banks, it, when you make uh, cash deposits of more than ten thousand uh, dollars, unless they've changed it, but that's that's what I understand. So, you know, I almost answered yes to that when I went to Mexico last year for DevCon. <laughs> I didn't understand the question, or I wasn't thinking when I answered the question. And said, "Do you have any money on you?" And I was like, "Yeah, I got a couple thousand on me." So I, just, <laughs> so I just answered yes. And then when I tried to walk through the line, they were like, uh, "No, no, señor," and they like pushed me off to the side. And it was it was well it pissed off Corey and Aaron and Marcello and his wife uh, Sheena because they had to wait for me while I had got questioned. But it was very funny. Uh, yeah, like, I'm sure it was funny. Yeah, they were like, "Do you have this much money?" And I was like, "No, I only got like a couple thousand." Look, and they were like, "Well, then why'd you answer that you had more?" <laughs> I was like, "I don't know. I was I wasn't paying attention. Let me go. <laughs> Let me go." Um, yeah. So cool story about traveling with D. 
He doesn't read the questions <laughs> verbatim sometimes. <laughs> kind of... And then Cello and Corey were like, let my people go. <laughs> yeah. It was very funny. They're like, why'd you get pulled to the side? I wanted to tell him, it's because I'm black. It's because I'm black. Yeah. <laughs> Negro Damas over here knew I was going to get pulled over. <laughs> um, where's... All right. So Monday is the the next one, right? Um. We're, we're done we with that one? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a while. Let's go to Singapore. We're on Singapore. Singapore. So Singapore by Anna Berman. This is Singapore. Major utility company launches blockchain-based solar energy marketplace. 7,151 total views, 368 total shares. Um, SP Group, a major corporation providing electricity and gas transmission in Singapore, has launched a blockchain-powered renewable energy certificate REC marketplace, the company reveals in a press release Monday, October 29th. The platform was unveiled at the ASEAN Energy Business Forum held in Singapore this week. The press release notes that SP Group, I do not know what that is, so maybe Singapore something, plans to use blockchain to help the company increase transparency and efficiency. Samuel Tan, chief digital officer of the corporation, further explained, quote, through blockchain technology, we enable companies to trade in renewable energy certificates conveniently, seamlessly, and securely, helping them achieve greener business operations and meet their sustainability targets, unquote. How? I thought this article was going to tell me some how, but it's not telling me any how. Well, let's see. Um, it's not that long. It says it says the marketplace will support both local and international RECs. By the way, that's renewable energy certificates, if you don't remember. The documents that serve as proof that a particular amount of electrical energy has been produced by solar batteries. The first contracts have already been signed with global real estate developer CDL and multinational banking corporation DBS Bank. Three solar energy sellers, Cleantech Solar Asia, LYS Energy Bank uh, Solutions, LYS Energy Solutions, and Katoan Nati Singapore are also joining the marketplace. Hmm. So it doesn't say how, but it does seem, seem that these renewable energy certificates are key. So if you have a renewable energy certificate, I'm guessing it's a certificate, so it's signed. Mm -hmm. It's put on a blockchain, so it's... You know, you need something on the the node itself is the either the sensor panel, something with the the solar panel itself. It's signing something. It's putting it on a blockchain, and that's how you know you made power. I'm guessing, mm -hmm. and that's the proof that the battery has made energy, and then that's kind of how it's contributing hmm. to the ecosystem. And so that's the I've made energy certificate. Now, whether or not the energy still exists, I don't know. But so you have these certificates put on the mm -hmm. blockchain. So it's pretty cool. I've always thought it'd be cool if you if if you were willing to go f through the time to not have a backyard and only have solar panels, and then you could sell the solar energy that you didn't use to your neighbors. Like, how could you? prove that you created that much energy and then sold that much energy 
and then got either a tax deduction for being a better community member or you know what I mean? Like, how do you prove that? How do right. you tell to the world like, hey, I'm soaking up the sun, you know, going to tell everyone to lighten up. Um, <laughs> right. This kind of reminds me of that reference. I, I did. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but how do you prove to everyone? And I think I always thought this was these were really cool blockchain plays was like, oh, we'll just, you know, create some sort of measure. And then we could take that measure and timestamp it. You have that many measures and you're selling that many measures. And congratulations. You're a good citizen. I don't know. Yeah, I would think that this would also do well with um, energy sensors, IoT devices that can continuously low power mode report how much energy it has. And maybe it uh, can read the certificate to uh, to see what was signed. Because it's one thing for a panel to generate the energy to say, you know, you generated the energy, it has to go somewhere. If the battery is bad and the energy is lost, then what's the point? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, part of the Austrian school of economics is that there's there's no value in the effort to dig a hole, right? There needs to be actual value of me wanting something, not just the value and the effort put into build something or to dig a hole. Mm-hmm. So if, if you just... Um, created energy, but it was lost. It doesn't matter how much it took for you to create that energy. So I would think that there need to be some uh, IOT devices that can report on the energy, make sure the energy is still held somewhere and then maybe used so that we could report on the, um, that piece. So I, I would, I would love to know more about the whole life cycle of that. But there's nothing else in the article, so we can go on. Would you do it? Would you? What about Grid Plus? Are you going to do the Grid Plus thing? I'm only going to do it if I get it for free. But um, I remember learning about that, but I don't remember the details right now. All right, I am it's, part it's, of the. It's not um, not complicated. I'll tell you that much. So then, I'm interested in it. <laughs> Uh, Wayne had to step away for just a second. So, oh wait, he's back. Okay. <laughs> I'm um, I I'm part of um, a, a couple of the. I mean, I I think every one of the power and energy based tokens. I've you know I've dabbled in some of them, and but whether they be you know I, I've researched at least all of them whether they be you know, power, energy, mm-hmm. um, I forget the names of all of them because there's so many that are, that are good, right? I mean, there's, those are ones that, that make sense. A lot of those. <clears throat> they're really trying. They really are. I mean, cause it, cause it does make sense to, to kind of free yourself from the central markets of energy, especially in States that, that don't even let you make your own energy, mm-hmm. right? Like Florida, where the political structure is such that, you know, they work so hard to make 
citizens not even allowed to generate your own electricity because the you know the lobbyists and things yeah so that, that's kind of a different difficulty all right so there's that one you got to try a segue uh, I'm going to power through to get to the next one. This was the. Oh, that was nice. I get it. I got it. Okay. So, <laughs> nine Japanese banks to trial blockchain settlement nine. using Fujitsu tech. This is by Yogita Katri with can't see. You know why any... this is going to fail? Nine is not a prime number. Boom. Negrodama strikes again. <laughs> No, <laughs> yeah, but it's made of three prime numbers. Oh, three times over. Nine Japanese banks are teaming up to trial a blockchain-based interbank settlement system using Fujitsu technology. IT giant Fujitsu announced in a press release Monday, that would be 29th, I think, that has been chosen as an quote application development vendor unquote for the field trial that will use a custom digital currency to attempt to achieve low-cost transfer of small-scale transactions using real-time gross settlement. The test is aimed to gauge aspects of the tech such as performance, security, and real-world viability. The nine banks involved in the effort comprise a consortium called the Japanese Banks Payment Clearing Network, or ZenjinNet, Z-E-N-G-I-N. Sounds like an evil corporation in an anime or something. Oh, it does. That was wrong of me. <laughs> but sorry. Um, let's keep going. But Zen, Zen is, you know, thoughtless. Ah, okay. In a good way. Uh, and include Mizuho Bank and MUFG Bank. <laughs> I know Dimitrik is really holding back on the MUFG Bank. Yeah. I'm holding back there. Yeah. It's, Keep you it like a PG. The, you Keep like it a the PG. MUFG bank? <laughs> Keep it a PG. Keep it a Disney rated. <laughs> Are you, you sure you don't? Okay. All right. Specifically, Fujitsu will build and provide the new trial platform using blockchain technology and will also utilize a peer-to-peer money transfer platform it developed in 2017. Wow. I'm going to have to look at that. Alongside three Japanese banks, that trial encompassed a cloud-based blockchain platform for sending funds between individuals, as well as a smartphone app. Among its various explorations of blockchain, Fujitsu also partnered in September with the Japanese Bankers Association, JBA, to provide a platform built with Hyperledger Fabric that banks within the group's ranks could use to test various business cases for the tech. It further launched a ready-to-go blockchain consultancy service in July that it claimed can deliver a minimum viable product in just five days. So it looks like Fujitsu back in 2017 in October did a uh, little payment, a peer-to-peer payment transfer system that kind of started this whole thing. And now it's resulting in this. So that's what's, that's what's going on. So they're, they've chosen an application development vendor, uses this custom digital currency to have low cost transactions for settlement. So I don't know if this is supposed to compete with the likes of XRP um, or 
or, or what? It's not really clear to me if, because I mean, they're, they're kind of, um, they're tossing out Hyperledger. They're talking about payments. They're talking about money transfer. They're talking about settlements. They're talking about tech. They're talking about a whole bunch of things. So it's kind of, kind of interesting that they're talking about consulting. But what do you, what do you get out of what they're, what they're talking about here? Uh, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like the banks are, I mean, they're trying to upgrade their systems and it's going to take a while for them. And maybe, maybe one of the biggest limelights of this entire quote unquote experiment. I use quotations the way they're supposed to use right there for crypto is that it's challenging the banks to upgrade their systems and services um, in order to keep their customers because people are slowly figuring out that the way they do things is broken and it's designed in such a way that is implicitly oppressive and not explicitly oppressive. And so they're trying and I give them credit, but they're never going to get the true value of blockchain technology until they invest and they're in a way to play the same game as everyone that is playing the games on public blockchains. Um, cute. It's cool. But peer-to-peer payments isn't new. I mean, Cash App is a thing that's existed for a while now. If you have Cash App and I have Cash App, we can send money directly to each other. Yeah, it goes through the banks. So I don't know if I can actually call that peer-to-peer. Is that is that the but, same as, is that like Cointext as well? I don't know. Cash App is like Square's little... Like a lot of people use it to like, sing. Oh, we got dogs. You got dogs too. That that's right along with the whole network. You're quick with the hands though, a lot quicker than Corey and yeah, Cello because they that. don't even bother to mute their mic. <laughs> um, that, that surprised even me. Alright. Uh I don't know. I see it as these banks right here, these nine Japanese banks are struggling more than the top banks so they're trying to do what they can to keep the favor of their clients that's how i view it but i also am captain reed between the lines so that's where i'm at with it okay well i I don't really have a lot to to add to this one all right i I feel like the article is is missing some yeah i mean it it has a lot of articles the less details you get I found yeah. that over the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven months. So, and and maybe it's a good thing. It's it's light on editorialism, which is which is really good. I mean, that's actually good. Yeah. So, so good so, deal. Speaking of good, Coinbase. No, I'm, I don't know if it's so we're on Tuesday at this point. Yeah, we're on the Tuesday. So that was Monday. We're on the Tuesday. The Coinbase blog. Um, so this is written by Azif. Oh, Azif Irji, the president and COO of Coinbase. Uh, Coinbase raises a Series E round of financing to accelerate the adoption of cryptocurrencies. So um, from what I read recently, they raised this as a rainy day fund. So it would be cool if I had a rainy day of $300 million. But they raised $300 million of investment so their total valuations is over eight billion dollars. Um, geez, man, they're going to be the fastest. I've said this here. Noted that you heard this here from me first. P. 
people. Demetri Ferguson, the Negro Domus himself. Coinbase will be the fastest company to a $1 trillion valuation. They're not going to be the first. We know that was Apple and then it was Amazon. But the fastest company to get there will be Coinbase. Um, yeah, so Coinbase will use the financing to accelerate. Here's the four bullet points that got them to sign a check. Global expansion, building the infrastructure between fiat and crypto and regulated markets around the world. So tracking how you use money regardless. Over offering more crypto assets quickly. We see hundreds of cryptocurrencies that could be added to our platform today. And we will lay the groundwork to support thousands in the future. So how do we get more retail investors to use our shit, sorry, our stuff like they use E-Trade? Utility applications for crypto. Like the recently announced support for Stablecoin, USDC on Coinbase, and our continued development of the Coinbase wallet. So products, their products. Um, USDC is not their product, though. It's Circle's product. And I'm surprised them and Circle are working because... What nobody knows is that the largest, what not a lot of people know is that Circle operated the largest exchange on the planet, period. Like they, it was bigger than Bitstamp, Bitstamp, it was bigger than all of them, and it was in Europe. And it's when they stopped um, doing the debit card purchases of crypto and they were just exchanging crypto for fiat. Um, so now they have a stable coin and that stable coin's on Coinbase. It's like Superman and Thor just made a, combo i don't even get that and then bring institutions into crypto uh adding features and crypto assets to our to our custody i'm not gonna put quotes there custody offering to bring more institutional funds into space so uh coinbase is trying to get all the money any way they can <laughs> so um that's that article there coinbase coinbase <laughs> Yeah, so USDC, you know, the the child of Goldman Sachs, mm-hmm. right? So Circle. And we saw Poloniex. I mean, Poloniex in you know early 2017 was kind of the the place to go for you know, it had all the liquidity, mm-hmm. it had all the volume, and that was that was just where you went. I mean, it had the troll box, it had all the all the secrets and you did see all this stuff. And then, then they, you know, they'd shut down for a couple of days and we'd have problems with the API and, you know, people would start saying, Oh no, they're going to, they're going to shut down and take all your money. And, you know, there'd be rumors and all this other, all this other stuff. And I mean, it was just an adoption nightmare for some people. It would take a long time to get your account. And, you know, everybody was having a great time, just trying to get into crypto if, if you're in the right place at the right time. And the volatility was amazing. And then Bittrex really kind of uh, started taking over. Uh, their systems were a little bit more stable. Their API was a lot faster. And they started getting more pairs. And then uh, more and more people started moving over there. And then when you started realizing and then recently what started happening is you could see when Poloniex started shutting off accounts, especially foreigners. There were, you know, a lot of people from certain countries and accounts just started getting 
either just turned off or, you know, people got stopped getting access to their accounts. And then they formally said, look, if you don't have the verification, you just don't have access. Then they delisted, a, you know, this round of coins and then these 12 coins and then these nine coins. And they just started delisting coins. Then all of a sudden, Goldman Sachs, right? And Circle. It's like, okay, Poloniex is, is going the legit route. Then USDC comes. Mm-hmm. Okay. We, we, you, it's obvious that in hindsight that Coinbase and USDC and Poloniex and Goldman Sachs are all following this route of we want to go the real money route. Gemini is doing the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Gemini with the GUSD on, on ERC-20, we want to be a stable coin that follows the rules. We have a New York bit license. So does Coinbase. Mm-hmm. There's only like 10 companies, nine or 10 companies that have a bit license. We want regulation, adoption, and we want to have all the money, just yeah. like you just said. They want so, all the money. Right. <laughs> they want and it all. People complained that Coinbase only had, you know, three coins, right? Ethereum, Litecoin, and Bitcoin. And then they added the fourth coin. And then they added the fifth coin. And then now they've got the sixth and seventh. And then there's going to be 20 more. Because mm-hmm. once they added Ethereum Classic, and now they've got 0x, it's like once they have the decentralized, you know, the fee coin. Mm-hmm. That lays the groundwork. And now that they have USDC, that gives them the ability to give them that dollar liquidity in and out from all the other exchanges, lets them get rid of Tether, gives them a bridge between the others to get uh, dollars that people can understand yeah. in and out. And I think that's that's what's going to – so it doesn't really – I mean, it says utility applications for crypto, like the recent announced support for a stable coin. They're really missing the, we're going to make dollars into crypto. They're missing that bullet point. That's really the read between the lines. Yeah. Captain read between the lines. They didn't put that in there, but that's really what I think is underscoring you, the whole thing. Do you... Um... I always wonder, like, you know how they say, don't ask for permission ask for forgiveness yes i'm starting to wonder which one gets more bang for your buck like do you get a lot of bang for your buck if you do ask for permission instead of asking for forgiveness because coinbase has paid a lot of money more money than anyone could afford to pay that's doing what they're doing to ask for permission and they're getting it and surprise surprise they're making billions of dollars every quarter in profit so. Well, people have a, a horrible memory, and this is this is obvious from how many times people get screwed by companies, and then they forget, and then they come right back. And I'm not talking about Coinbase. I'm talking about everywhere else. Mm-hmm. We have security hacks all the time, and then people forget, and then they come right back. Mm-hmm. Right? Like we Target. Have, I still go to Target. Damn, well, you're right. Okay, there's every company. It's not just Target. Sony, Home Depot. Hello. I mean, you think of every yeah. every company you've been to. There's been a security hack, and um, look at your your credit score. 
Equifax. Oh, yeah. I mean, pretty much everybody you've been screwed by all your banks, all your insurance companies. And we just like lemmings go back. Our government screws us. Our banks screw us. Our insurance companies screw us. And we forget and we come back to it. Um, so what, what I mean, or the point of all that is that we're the marketing hooks us. We come back in and what crypto will help us do is will help keep us accountable as well as these companies, the transparency, the immutability, the blockchain, the memory. And that's, that's one reason I'm in it. I came in it for the greed and I'm staying in it because of what it will help us change. Mm. I hope it gets there, man. I really do. Whoa. There's some price jumps today in Bitcoin. Sorry, there's so many widgets on these headlines. Are you looking up at prices? Well, I've got a big screen up right there. Oh, wow. You're yeah. on another level. That's <laughs> just some price jumps in old BTC. Oh, nice. Juicy. Okay. Price drop. Yeah. Last article for Tuesday. This is interesting. Written by Marie Yavuz, October 30th, 2018. Uh, halal coins only. It has 7,453 views, 197 total shares. Um, it's Cointelegraph.com special. First Islamic crypto exchange to be launched in 2019. So the ADAB Solutions Project, based in the United Arab Emirates, is planning to launch FICE, the first Islamic crypto exchange. Wow, that is they are not original at all with their namings, but... FICE is the name of the first Islamic crypto exchange, which will be operating according to the principles of Sharia law. I don't know the principles of Sharia law. Uh, the company is expecting to reach $146 million daily trading and $4.4 billion monthly turnover by 2020. So, um, yeah, Islam is a big deal. And this is the first exchange that has the blessing of Islam. Do you call it blessing or... Is it like a different word? Would you know off the top of your head? Sure. I just know. I just know halal is the is the term that you would use for saying that it has the blessing. Okay. But, I mean, it's not like you have one person that says this is blessing. I mean, yep. You can have a different group that says, "Oh no, that's not halal." So the fact that this one article says it's halal. Um, or that this follows Sharia law. I, I know that you can have a group that says, no, it's not halal. So that's like saying it's kosher. Uh. And you can have another group saying, no, it's not kosher. So um, it's difficult to trust this one article, but um, you can have different leaders declare different Halalism. things. Halalism. <laughs> Sorry, oh, I should make any. I'm not gonna make any jokes. Well, about you Islam. can at least just say it rhymes with lol. <laughs> I'm not gonna make any jokes about Islam. They don't even joke about cartoons. So you don't want to offend 1.8 billion people that I don't adopt cryptocurrency. You know, of all the groups of people that I've alienated over the years, that is one group of people I don't want to alienate, and I don't even want to talk about. I just want to. Keep it moving. So let's go to Wednesday's news. Ooh, Venezuela. This is all you. You read this one. Um, okay, so this is 
uh, Kevin Helms again. Two days ago, 3,355 eyeballs. Venezuela begins public sale of national cryptocurrency, Petro. <laughs> so, Sorry. so this is, this is interesting. So I'm, I'll, okay, I'll say this. The Venezuelan government, this is from uh, news.bitcoin.com. <clears throat> I, I didn't intentionally pick Kevin Helms again. I don't know who that is. I've never seen the name, so I'm, the Venezuelan government has opened up an exchange desk for the country's national cryptocurrency at the headquarters of the Superintendency of Crypto Assets. According to the government, investors can now purchase the Petro with a number of fiat currencies and cryptocurrencies. Delegates from China have reportedly purchased some with Yuan. Venezuela starts selling Petro. On Monday, the Venezuelan government announced that the public can now purchase the country's national cryptocurrency directly from the Superintendency of Crypto Assets and Related Activities, SUNACRIP, S-U-N-A-C-R-I-P. SUNACRIP is in charge of regulating all crypto-related activities in Venezuela. The Petro was originally backed by only oil. However, its latest white paper, so I guess there's multiple versions, shows that the digital currency is now also backed by gold, iron, and diamond. The Venezuelan government-backed newspaper Correo del Orinoco wrote, quote, this Monday, the sale of El Petro cryptocurrency is successfully launched for all Venezuelans and those who want to make financial transactions digitally through this mechanism, unquote. Venezuela's vice president of the economy, Tarek El Aysami, explained that the Petro can currently be acquired with a number of foreign currencies and cryptocurrencies. Accepted fiat currencies include the dollar, yuan, and the euro, he elaborated, adding that accepted cryptocurrencies include BTC, ETH, and XEM. Buyers can visit the Sunacrip headquarters to purchase the Petro with cash. Purchasing with cryptocurrencies can be done on the Petro's official website. A number of Venezuelan government officials turned up to purchase the Petro on Monday. Each was issued a Petro certificate at the time of purchase. Quote, Superintendent Joselit Ramirez <laughs> described the day as a success. El Asimi, Asami tweeted, Ramirez replaced Carlos Vargas as Venezuela's superintendent of crypto assets in June. So here's, here's why I picked this. So a couple of people don't know this. One, um, President Trump uh, issued an executive order sometime back uh, outlawing U.S. citizens from being able to buy the Petro. Mm -hmm. And so it was, you know, because it, it, was, a, it was seen as a way that, uh, you know, the Petro was a way that Venezuela could bypass sanctions. Two, I thought it was interesting that Venezuela made it so that you could actually uh, you could pay for your passport with the Petro. So you can buy government services with this cryptocurrency. And so Venezuela aside, the fact that you can pay for government services with a cryptocurrency was fantastic. It's a fantastic idea for adoption. It's one of those little bitty bricks that builds the bridge 
that we all want. Mm-hmm. It sucks that it's the Petro and it sucks that it's Venezuela, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's still a bridge being built that I want. That's true. Okay. I, I can see you there. See what I mean? Right. Cause, cause I want to be able to pay my taxes in crypto. That'll be bold. I, I, I want our government to recognize crypto as a valid currency. Yeah. Because I don't want to be taxed on small changes in the currency. Like this is now. Like if I buy if I buy a dollar today, if I get a dollar in my paycheck on the 31st and I spend something on the 15th of the next month and the dollar has changed value, I'm not taxed currently because it's a currency. Mm-hmm. Well, in Bitcoin, if I'm paid in Bitcoin on the 31st and then I pay something, I buy something with that Bitcoin on the 15th of the next month and it's changed value, I'm taxed on that. Even if it's just 15 cents difference, I have to calculate the difference of that. Even if it's one cent difference, I have to do that in my taxes. If you're paid in Bitcoin, if you're paid in anything but dollars, well, I want that to change. And as soon as the government accepts Bitcoin as payment of taxes, that's changed. And so the fact that Venezuela accepts cryptocurrency for payment of government services, that's what I'm moving to Venezuela. No, Uh, no. (laughs) but earlier we talked about the, you know, Japan taking a stable currency, right? So, so who, what, what, who knows, maybe Coinbase, USDC, Maybe USDC is one of those roads where maybe the government will take USDC as payment. And that'll be one of the things is one another brick. It's not what we be, want. That would be that would blow my mind if that happened. It's I I know that it's not what we want, but it's a brick in the bridge. It's another piece. As an aside, do you see how these people look so damn scared that work for the Venezuelan government? They just look like they're like, oh, please don't put me in jail. Please well, don't put me in jail. It's not don't put me in jail. It's like don't hurt the family that you've taken. Jeez. Sorry, Venezuelans. I talked to Eduardo, a friend of ours, um, writer for Block Channel, and he just got out of Venezuela, and he said he cannot go back. If he goes back, he goes to jail. Oh, just for yeah, like I'm sure. So I've watched a few YouTube videos of, of people from Venezuela who've who've come from there and um and then you know i watched uh, david hay uh who's been to a number of the countries it's 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 it's, it is rough all right um next one you ready for the next one i am and i like this article okay uh this is from coindesk uh former fed chair janet yellen is now a bitcoin owner what from nikelish that sneaky minks uh, Nikelish Day, which I don't see any. Um... Right above his name. Oh, 285 tweets. And that's all I see. Cool. This is. This <laughs> sneaky minx, Janet yelling you. Uh, she may not be a, quote, fan of Bitcoin, but former Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen now has a small amount of BTC in her possession. On Monday, Yellen explained why she believes Bitcoin is not a useful form of currency during an appearance at the Canada FinTech Forum. 
The former chairperson of the U.S. Central Bank has struck critical tones in the past towards cryptocurrency, but elsewhere she said she views blockchain as an important technology. Of course, Such an Bitcoin old school blockchain. argument. I love it. She's sticking to her guns. Blockchain, day later, not Bitcoin. That's right. A day later, according to an email obtained by Coindesk, Raz Sapravici, the founder of Bitcoin gifting service Biterica, sent Yellen 0.0031642 BTC, or roughly $20, by way of her University of California Berkeley email address. When contacted to confirm the gift, Yellen said that she had received it but hasn't gone far in investigating her newly obtained coins. Quote, I did receive a gift of bitcoins this morning and have been very busy ever since, so I have not looked into it further, unquote, she wrote. Yellen further said that she did not have anything to add to her previous remarks about Bitcoin this week. Suprovici told Coindesk that he wanted to help Yellen learn more about Bitcoin, seeing the gift as the best avenue for that to occur. Quote, based on the way she spoke up about it at the conference, it seemed that she had never owned any Bitcoin, he said, adding, quote, people are afraid of the unknown. I was hoping that when she logged into her Bitcoin wallet with her ID and password, she would see it's just like a typical online bank account. The money she owns is there, in her control, ready to spend. I hope that this sparks her openness to the technology. Maybe all policymakers should be gifted a little bit of Bitcoin, he added. Hmm. I, I like your strategy. With that. I like your strategy, Mr. Supervici. <clears throat> I like your strat. Yep. I, I donated strat. Bitcoin to um, political leaders. Uh, during the presidential campaign in 2016, mm -hmm. the uh, a little bit uh, like ten dollars each to so what was 2016 ten dollars mm -hmm. shoot that was a lot <laughs> now <laughs> uh, don't think about it. Uh, none of them won I can tell you that if you don't think um, about it, it it didn't happen um, That's not true but so I know that I I know that he's right that if if one if they own bitcoin they have to declare it because uh, it didn't uh, i'm surprised they didn't link to the article um there's a there's another there's a new uh law that they have to uh they have to declare so there mm -hmm. was a new there's a new whole set of um standards that went out that said that if you're a government employee, you have to declare any any cryptocurrency that you own, specifically, and any uh, foreign assets that you own. So I know on your taxes, you have to declare if it's more than $50,000, uh, if it's more than $10,000, uh, and then if it's more than $100,000, there's certain thresholds depending on um, if it was at the end of the year or if at any time. but for a government employee, you have to like, if, if it's any amount and if it's cryptocurrency, you have to do that too. So <clears throat> there's, I'm surprised they didn't reference that. So yeah. I'd say we should, I, I don't want to make them rich necessarily, but if they all got a little bit from everybody, you know, they're self-serving. Oh yeah, and, they would turn and, turn their tune in a second. They would yeah, just... and so all of a sudden they'd all like, oh yeah, we should do this. Yeah, crypto's not so bad. I mean, it's yeah. paying for my executive lunches. So, is it that bad? 
Yeah, they would change their tune really quickly. Ooh, right, Morgan Stanley's back. Yep. Jamie Diamond in his <laughs> Speaking okay. of someone who has nothing, who knows almost nothing about cryptocurrency, that's how I would segue into this. But is that is that the author or the Morgan? That's uh, Mr. JP Diamond himself, JM JM Jamie Diamond. There we go. Uh, well, that's that's Chase, right? That's wait. Yeah, Chase, J.P. JP Morgan, Chase. J.P. Morgan? Yeah. That's not Morgan Stanley, though. Aren't JP they the Morgan. same? I thought they were all related. I thought all uh, the I think... were related. <laughs> so I think J.P. Morgan and Morgan Stanley are related, but I don't think... Uh... Well, so anyway. Morgan Stanley reports as crypto now an institutional asset class. So I definitely wanted to put this in here because of the institutional herd. Yeah. The, the refrain so this is also nikelesh day 2051 tweets so this is uh, uh institutional investors are increasingly getting involved in bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies while the number of retail investors in this space is staying stagnant according to a new report by morgan stanley in an update to quote bitcoin decrypted a brief teach-in and implications the global banking giants research division delved in the last six months of Bitcoin and highlighted certain trends it noticed. The report is dated October 31st. Perhaps most notably, the report emphasized its writer's view of the market's, quote, rapidly morphing thesis, unquote, which began by defining Bitcoin as digital cash and noting that investors had full confidence in it to a solution for issues in the financial system, to a new payment system that ultimately a new institutional investment class. Various issues and discoveries around the Bitcoin ecosystem has caused the thesis to evolve, including the permanent ledger recording all transactions, a number of hacks, hard forks, new technologies which are cheaper than Bitcoin, market volatility, and other concerns, the report explains. As such, the market's current thesis appears to be that Bitcoin is a, quote, new institutional investment class, unquote, and it has been for almost a year, the authors wrote. The amount of crypto assets under management has been increasing since January 2016, with $7.11 billion currently being stored by hedge funds, venture capital firms, and private equity firms. The fact that major financial institutions are increasingly getting involved supports this thesis. The report continued, citing Fidelity's new crypto services division, mm. investments in Seed, CX, BitGo, and Binance, regulatory approvals, and Coinbase's recent fundraising round, which we mentioned earlier. That being said, the report did cite three issues clients had with investing in the cryptocurrency space, which are regulatory uncertainty, a lack of regulated custodian solutions, and a current lack of large financial institutions in the space. So it goes on to talk about stablecoin trading, and we can talk more about that if you'd like, but uh, and it also mentions, uh, you know, Tether as part of that. So I definitely agree with this. Um, uh-huh. the, the institutional, I, I've been wanting, I, I've been noticing this uh, and Fidelity as well. So I, I didn't realize Fidelity was part of this article. So what, what do you think about the institutional talk? I mean, they can get in if they want in. But they're playing the same game as everyone else. Now, I do think the only way that they've kind of changed the game or they play it kind of dirtily, but it's not against the rules, is the OTC market. 
because you can trade however many Bitcoin you want OTC and it's not going to affect the price. So honestly, I think institutions have been in since, I don't know, 2014, 2015. They've been in for a very, very long time, gobbling up all of the digitally scarce coins they can. Just gobbling and gobbling and gobbling. And when it comes time for like them to announce like, oh yeah, we've been, we're going to go ahead and give it a shot. They've already been in the game. I mean, that's like the oldest trick in the book for the wealthy is to say, don't go right. You know, don't go right. It's bad over there. Don't go right. They're paving the road. So by the time you figure out to go right, it's nice and smooth. But guess right. what? And it's You're the same thing with, toll. it's the same way that it's been with retail investors on the, uh, the accredited investors divide, right? So with normal, the, the accredited investors rules were set up with the, the public goal of, hey, you don't, you don't know how to invest. We need to protect you from yourself because look at all the shysters out there. You're, you're going to lose your shirt. You're going to lose. You don't, we need to protect you. Because look at what happened. The snake oil salesman came through and you all lost. So we need to protect you. So then the rule gets put into place. And then what happens? Now only the accredited investors can invest. They're the ones who get all the good deals. They snatch up all the profitable stuff. And then by the time it gets to the retail investors, they get the drippings. Mm -hmm. They get what spills over and then the accredited investors get the 30 year returns and the retail investors just get the, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, this is really cool. I can get some really neat stuff. And then cryptocurrency comes out and then some really cool people get some ICOs. And then now they're coming in and saying, Nope, they come in and say, Nope, 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 Nope. Only accredited investors. You can't do this. And so now they need to slap all this new stuff on these new regulations and they're kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. Same rules. Same. It's the same. It's going to be the same process. It's going to rinse and repeat. I think. I don't know. I just. I do like the Fidelity. So Fidelity was one of the first people in the States to offer the Bitcoin one tracker from Sweden. Yep. The, the CXBTF. Then they came out and said, you know what? We're going to have this whole 24 hour trading desk for crypto. That was mm -hmm. just this last week or two. I think you guys talked about it. Well, yep. no, I think that was on your week that was off. Two right? weeks ago. That two was, weeks ago. That was two weeks ago. And then um, GBTC has been a, a kind of a ETP that's been around for a while. So we have ETPs, ETNs. We still don't have an ETF, but ETPs and ETNs both satisfy a lot of people yep. to get a taste, right? <clears throat> so you can get $7 Bitcoins taste. You can get $30 Bitcoin taste. And then when we have the ETF, we'll see what that what that price point will yep. be. It's almost like they've been getting in a while and now they've got their foot in. So they're building a foundation on the plot of land that they finally secured in this crypto game. And as soon as they mention they're going in then you have the retail investors that have been on the sidelines for a while they're going to start to go in and you kind of build this massive object this massive financial system to where then you're sitting in the driver's seat you could take your one percent increases and your two percent increases and 
pay the bills for years to come, like what happens with the dollar, what happens in traditional finances today, like a 3% change will make the news in, in certain stocks in certain industries. Um, but that's really not a lot in crypto, but if they can force it to be that way, then now they're in a position to, to gobble as much as they can to, to start to sprinkle out the rest to the retail investors, which I don't know. That's what it seems like to me. This is all just me commenting. Well, Hashtag of course. not investment advice. There's nobody behind you, is there? Yeah. Halloween was the other day, so wait. Ooh. <laughs> Watch out. So speaking of things. So you, you got Thursday. Yeah, we're on Thursday news now. Thursday. Um, Binance signs up 40,000 crypto traders in its first week in Uganda. So uh, Binance with the Uganda, we know that. Um, this is written by Lekun. I have to interrupt points. you. I need the accent. Uganda. Yes. Yes. Binance signs up to 40,000 crypto traders in its first week in Uganda. Uganda. Despite global market doldrums, demand for cryptocurrency appears to be booming across Uganda, a country where nearly three out of four people don't have bank accounts. Revealed exclusively to Coindesk, Binance Uganda signed up 40,000 users in their first week since the world's largest crypto exchange launched its local subsidiary in October. Is that good? Is that good? Yeah. The early results I mean, suggest yes, a strong... Yes. Very good, very good. Sex, a strong appetite among unbanked Ugandans for purchasing Bitcoin or Ether to two coins the new Binance unit currently lists. According to a paper by Stanford University, researchers recently published in the American Economic Journal, 74% of Ugandan households are unbanked. As such, Binance's chief financial officer, Wei Zhao, told Coindesk, Zoindesk, they, the users, just have to have money within the mobile payment system. They don't have to have bank accounts. I don't know if I could do this for very much longer. So, <laughs> <That's okay>. uh, <laughs> long story yeah. short, Binance opened in Uganda and they dropped 40,000 users, traders in the first week. Uganda was like, just couldn't wait to get in on this crazy crypto. So another quote, uh, there's, there's a lot lost. There's a lot of costs in financial system when you switch the currencies back and forth. In addition to inflation, Sal said, adding that that tells us that the use case for cryptocurrency in Africa as a hedge against inflation, which there's a lot of inflation in Africa. So cryptocurrency maybe can help there, help people retain some of their value. I think I think this is huge. I mean, I, I have had family members go to Uganda mm -hmm. and you know report directly how horrible some of the aspects of the economy are there and you know just the the bartering is what you can do you can't trust you know what happens with the local economy and and then you know you, you can only trust the the stories you hear from people who have services to sell so far but when you have actual people you know that go there you know you can you can 
you can trust that. So mm-hmm. I think for adoption, this is a lot that's going to be going on. So, you know, we, we talked about what's happening with the halal exchanges. Yeah. We talk about, you know, you know, uh, people in our space like to talk about remittances, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then, and then other people kind of poo poo that and say, Oh, well, you're just talking about remittances because it makes you feel better. Well, you know, it's still, I think it's still a valid use case that needs to be, you know, pursued and let's not drop it just because, yeah. just because there's, you know, it's just some people it's think valid, it's valid, but, but countries put the clamps down on the merchants when it comes to tax season. If you're a merchant, you know what I mean? You don't want to play games with that and countries put the clamps down on the merchants. If there's a merchant in country A and a merchant in country B that take Bitcoin, then a family member that uses crypto in country A and sends that crypto to country B, there's like no fee involved there. There's very little fee unless the you know blockchain is all clogged up like we experienced. But that's not likely to happen at that magnitude moving into the future with batch transactions and of course you have lightning network now or some people will use um you know it's 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 the merchants that they're putting the clamp down on really because the merchants are dealing in larger value than than the than the average like individual so the tax implications are even more dire i don't i that's just my my view on it is why we don't have a lot of adoption for merchants it seems like a silly reason to say no right like if you if you launch this crypto node this bitcoin node and your and your um consumers use crypto then you can do transactions with near zero v's near zero fees um that would seem like a no-brainer to a merchant but it's not a no-brainer because then they have to deal with like currency exchange and taxes and all the above. So I'd, I'd love to hear how the conversations went. I mean, who, who from Binance talked to who Yeah. with the regulators? Are you I seeing mean, these I, price jumps? It keeps jumping $200 and dropping $200 like every other second on the widget here on Cointelegraph. I'm not seeing it. I can bring up my trading view and. Huh. Maybe I'm just seeing stuff. <laughs> no, could be. Let me refresh. Could be some BART formations. Ooh, BART formations. Hashtag not manipulated. Uh, <laughs> so, anywho, um, we're getting some adoption across the globe. Uganda's next. I wonder who's going to be after Uganda. Let me see if I can guess. It's not going to be another African nation. I'm going to guess it's going to be. Uh, the Philippines that do something wild for adoption next. Um, so, speaking are, are you of, looking at Bitstamp or it just says coin, it's just Coin Telegraph's widget. I don't know where they get the price from, but keeps jumping up and down, um, like two hundred dollars. It'll go from sixty three hundred to six thousand four hundred eighty. So almost up to 500. It's like 1.8% jumps. Uh, oh, yeah. the, the five minute chart at, at Bitfinex. 
is jumping between 6460 and well not that much but it's still still big enough a little tiny jump so speaking of wild and crazy oh, yeah. we've got william suberg controversial stable coin tether confirms a new banking partner dell tech after weeks of rumors so we all know what's been going on with tether if you've been paying attention if you haven't been paying attention to tether um it's been a boop a poop show I would have said the S word, but I'm being PG. Being With 6,245 total views and 182 yeah. total shares. Forgot that part. People have looked and shared. Um, so Tether lost its banking partner, but then it gained its banking partner back. If you don't know how that type of peg stablecoin works, you get a giant pile of fiat. And then you say this cryptocurrency that you can create in five minutes of code is now pegged one to one to that thing of fiat. Everybody believes that in their brain, and that's how that happens. Um, then you can burn the tether to get the fiat, right? The issuer of cryptographic stablecoin Tether announced it had found a new banking partner. Um, tether, which had suffered from mixed publicity after allegations it had parted ways with previous financial institutions, Noble Bank, uh, also noted in the statement that its full money supply was backed by U.S. dollars. USDT, this is a quote, USDT in the market are fully backed by U.S. dollars that are safely deposited in our bank accounts, the statement reads. So let's get another quote. Uh, sorry, let's read a little bit. Despite the deal being de facto common knowledge for several weeks, Tether explained Deltek agreed to bank it after their due diligence review of our company. The statement continues, this included notably an analysis of our compliance processes policies and procedures a full background check of the shareholders ultimate beneficiaries and officers of our company and assessments of our ability to maintain the usd peg at any moment and our treasury management policies so very centralized company offers very centralized token which represents a peg one-to-one -to, -one to the usd um, it's very funny when you deal in the land of no laws, which is cryptocurrency is very much the wild, wild west. Even the companies start to come in and deal in the wild, wild west, and this is how they do it. So, well, and plus, you know, one of the things that since you guys didn't do an episode last week, you you missed reporting on Tether burning half a billion tokens. Oh, I did miss that. I, was probably... uh, I mean, missed misreporting that. So, so there was a, a burn of 500 million, million with an M. So half a billion tether tokens. So, you know, what does the, that do? It raises tether's value, right? It, it raises tether burn, because raise... I mean, supposedly that means that you know people cashed out. You know, that means they didn't. They don't have that money in the bank anymore. So. Yeah. You know, when, when they think the idea is that when people buy Tether, they're supposed to make tokens. When people cash out Tether, they're supposed to burn the tokens. And they do them in batches, which is why mm -hmm. if you look on CoinMarketCap, you'll see the, the total amount of tokens go up and down and, you know, 250 million at a time or 200 million at a time. And and the problem, the, the controversy is that People are wondering, well, where's the transparency? Where's the audits? The, the this auditor was a law firm, and the, you know, I, I don't know all the details. It's just mm -hmm. that there's a lot of people who have posted things 
that say, well, where's this, where's that? Yeah. And, then, and then of course, in the absence of knowledge, people use their imagination to fill in the gaps, right? So Absolutely. a lot of controversy. There's a lot of fear, uncertainty and doubt. So of course people love headlines and every one of these, you know, whether it be Coindesk, Cointelegraph, Bitcoin.com or, or any of the other places, they're going to try to get as much advertising revenue as possible. So they're not going to make a boring article. Why would they do that? <laughs> so who knows, right? Yeah. Um, I know that trading against Tether can be extremely volatile. The exchanges make money when you trade, not when you make money. So all they care about is making sure you trade. They want you to panic sell. They want you to panic buy. They want you to hurry up and make an account. They want you to hurry up and sell off at a loss. They want you to hurry up and FOMO in. They want you to FOMO out. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. to them as long as you, as long as you're trading. As and they long don't care. as there's a transaction. Yeah. You can be trading with Tether. You can be trading with Bitcoin. You can trade with whatever. So all they care about is that you're, that you're transacting. So you always have to wonder, you know, what's, what's really going on. Yeah. I'd say in order of magnitude, the biggest honeypots in crypto, the first would be mining. If you were fortunate, I think the second is exchanges or maybe that is flipped, but exchanges make a ton of loot. And we know this because Coinbase exists and it's making a ton of loot and all the other exchanges are making a ton of loot. So I think the miners are making a unrealistic amount of money though because they do a lot of otc trading so you never know how much crypto they're giving up for how much dollars to a market well, the maker. transactions are still on the blockchain and the addresses are there they just um <clears throat> there's just not an order book nope but you still see the the transactions and the and the you can still sweep but not sweeps not the right word but you can still see the transactions on the on the blockchain so OTC market is still discoverable. You just can't see the price. Yeah. Um, All right. On to the next one. Speaking of next articles, we have an article by Jamie <laughs> Redmond as 3,094 eyeballs. It's from Bitcoin.com. This is a very special. Um, Ledger Wallet plans to pause Bitcoin Cash services on November 15th. Um, yeah, so Ledger, the popular hardware wallet manufacturer based out of France, has recently revealed the company's contingency plans for the upcoming Bitcoin Cash hard fork scheduled for November 15th. Bitcoin Cash is hard forking. This is relatively new to me. I haven't been paying attention to that camp for a while, but um, Bitcoin Cash is hard forking. So, yay. Ledger explained to its customer base that the organization will be pausing Bitcoin Cash services on November 15th. And the company plans to wait until the dominant chain appears to reinstate Bitcoin Cash. So 15 days, the Bitcoin Cash network will possibly face a hard fork with consensus changes. The problem right now, however, is there are two different. Is that why Bear has been so quiet? Well, um, I mean, he inter... when you say quiet, I mean, they I had, just haven't uh... heard from him in a while. I've been tweeting a lot, lot like he usually does and acting weird, but. 
<laughs> Let's hear the quote. Ledger will suspend the Bitcoin Cash service until it is clear which of these chains will be the stable one. Uh, the reason for closing the service during this time will prevent unwanted transactions resulting from replay attacks, causing possible loss of funds and other potential issues interacting with the Bitcoin Cash during this period of time. Explain the company's recent blog post. Ledger continues, depending on the outcome of the fork, we will communicate about our next move. Okay, so Bitcoin Cash is forking. Hmm. Yeah, wow. it's kind of not been a, um, a highly publicized fork. Mm -mm. I've just he heard about it just here, there, a little bit. Um, I, I'm not uh, not too up on it, but it, I mean, it doesn't doesn't seem to be a contentious hard fork. Maybe that's yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah, that's probably. It. What are the what what consensus mechanisms are they changing? I wonder. That wasn't in this article. It had something to do with uh, replay protection. So um, that'd be interesting to look into for the for those <clears throat> listening. But that was the last article. I mean, of I, the I week. mean, uh, I, I mean, I don't know if you saw the ten percent rise today, just in the last I did hour or so. Um, Cash's price went up. <clears throat> listening, so, so um, that's the. I mean, there's a. I mean, it's it's shot up. Uh, it's just you know I, I mean Binance tweeted out. Their support for the hard fork, right? So, so I mean, it's one thing to have you know if you have the Bitcoin.com wallet on your phone or something, mm. you know you know that. You know the Bitcoin wallet's going to take care of it, but if you have Bitcoin Cash on Binance, which is you know the top fee-based exchange by like a mile, uh, at least it you know has been you know for the 30-day volume, uh, Binance sent out on its Telegram, you know just a few hours ago earlier today, hey we're going to support Bitcoin Cash. It's like all of a sudden Bitcoin That's your Cash confirmation news, right? Of course it is, <laughs> but it, but it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's related to that article. Right. So, yeah. uh, well, but there you go. I did well, have one question at up? the beginning when you said, Hey, if you don't know what headers are and you said, just Google, um, blockchain and headers, mm -hmm. are you talking about for new users block headers? Yeah. Block headers, block headers. Okay. All right. Yeah. Just want to make sure. So go and Google block headers. There you go. Yep. Google block headers for those of you that are new to crypto and somehow stumbled upon this podcast as the one that introduced you to crypto. Uh, yeah. Well, anyways, we'll wrap it. That's it. We don't do zero confirmation news. Just the weekend to Thursday. I know you're not listening to this on Friday, but I just got back in the States late on Thursday night. So that's when you're getting this. You're getting it when you hear it. Um, Let's see. If you go to the bitcoinpodcast.com, you can find all of our other shows. The Law and Blockchain, The Bullpen, uh, Dose of Ether, Hashing It Out. Uh, what else? There's other shows. Just go to the bitcoinpodcast.com and check them out. Um, you can join the Slack. In the Slack, we talk about crypto every now and again. It seems people are busy lately, but it comes and it goes depending on crypto the Crypto Tell Infinity. 
Yeah, Crypto Until Infinity, which is a yeah, show where DJ and yes, yeah, plays some chill music. out with some really cool. I mean, I've been playing that more recently because uh, I usually don't just listen to music; I listen to words. Mm-hmm. But I've been I've been chilling it out with uh, Never Ending Story a little bit. Yeah, it's so, good stuff. He he is good. I I I like it. He's actually growing on the network, uh, download wise. Like people are really. I, I do, really I do. It up to it, so I do like NES. He's he's good. Yep. But I don't know what kept you guys for almost two hours, which is the longest just the headers we've had since we started just the headers. And we hope that we gave you a lot of commentary. We hope that it pushes you to join our Slack. Um, we hope you looked up a block header so you know what that is now. Um, yeah. So stay tuned to the Bitcoin Podcast dot com to get all the shows and all the things thank you dude